This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm happy you decided to listen in on this podcast today because we have some outstanding CX professionals from across the globe that are joining us today to explode customer experience myths. So this should be quite the interesting podcast for you as our listeners. So let's begin by having our participants introduce themselves. And let's start with Joanna. Hi, Bob. Car, <laughs> um, Joanna, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. So um, my name's Joanna and I am uh, in Norway. Um, so I've been working as a customer experience consultant for um, not very long, actually, just a, well, a couple of years. I say it's not very long. Um, and um, I have a background from, I've been working in retail for many years, as well as a teaching background. And I uh, found my way into customer experience while I was working for a brand that um, is quite big in Europe. I'm not so sure about in the US. It's uh, re- uh, Rituals. And um, Rituals uh, just really inspired me because they they really know how to deliver a great customer experience throughout, uh, right from the way from the employee experience to the, the customer experience. And that really led me on a road to want to um, educate myself and discover as much as possible about this ever evolving world of customer experience. Um, don't know if you want me to. Uh... That should be good, Joanna. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> and uh, Jessica, would you like to go next? Sure, happily. Thanks for having me. Um, My name is Jessica Noble, and I am located in coastal Southern California, and I have been in the customer experience world since the early 2000s. I started out at Nationwide Insurance and then did several consulting, several years for consulting firms um, and helping midsize and enterprise businesses um, focus their business around their customers doing digital transformation as well. And trying to think if there's anything else exciting. Um, I published a book last year in the middle of COVID. And then of course this group, we all worked together and published another one. Exactly, Jessica. And I should have mentioned that we're all authors as part of Customer Experience 3. And so I'll be sure and check that book out. Thanks, Jessica. And uh, Gustavo, how about going next for us? Yeah, so last and definitely least, 
<laughs> so I'm Gustavo. I'm based in the UK, so in uh, Northern England in Leeds. Uh, I'm one of those new breeds of uh, customer experience professionals. I've spent my entire career in customer experience as we understand it today, in terms of really focusing on the voice of the customer and the strategy. And it started even before my career. I started at university. I did my master's thesis that then got uh, published as a academic paper. And over the last few years, I've been working with some uh, huge brands, both consultancy and agency side, always in the customer experience space. My one accolade, if we remove the customer experience three book, is that a couple of years ago, I was named a 30 under 30 in customer experience. So one of the 30 rising stars under, under the age of 30. And as I only have a few months left being an under 30, I'm going to try and plug it and milk it as much as I can because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to, to, to leave my 20s. But yeah, that's me. If only I could remember my 20s, Gustavo, I'd be, I'd be in good shape. Um, so that's great. Thanks, everybody. Uh, so the topic of today's session is exploding CX myths. So uh, who has a myth that uh, we want to explode and talk about? So I'll, I'll put myself out there and I can explode a myth, although I'll probably lose a lot of friends in the process. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's usually the case isn't it Jessica yeah so the one that I want to explode is that the field or the discipline of customer experience is not specifically an altruistic one I think it attracts a lot of people who um, are altruistic by nature but that is not what the field or discipline is about. That may be a byproduct in some cases, but it is a business strategy. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle to make their business case because they really are wanting to make it more altruistic than a business strategy. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What, what do you think Jessica is like, is one of our major um, issues that, that that people have this perception of it being altruistic. Is there any main causes, do you think, associated? You know, I think there's a lot of contributing factors. I think one of them is that people who are in the customer service field or the customer success field really are drawn to those skills because they want to help customers. They want to help clients, which is a great thing to want. And that is a great thing to incorporate into a customer experience strategy. However, what I think has happened is as those people are drawn to the idea of customer experience, um, we get a bit overrun by people who don't have broad business acumen, mm. but rather really have a heart for taking care of people. And there's, we need that mix of people, but if you have people who have a heart for serving customers and clients and they don't have business acumen, you can't develop a good strategy. You need both of those skill sets and ideally um, a really solid mix to come up with a, a really impactful business strategy. Absolutely. I wonder whether we could do something to aid to, to change that altruistic. I'm thinking along the lines of um, education. Um, you know, I, I, 
I'm not sure how it is in the US, but from talking from like the Scandinavian countries, we definitely there there is, you know, it's not something that's actually, for example, customer experience is not a topic that is talked within um, business uh, management degrees or there's no real um, official line of education. And I think maybe that could be an area that needs that could help to changed that the perhaps customer experience um, knowledge that consult practicing consultants or practicing practitioners have today but also also the perception that's actually being met from from business how, how is it for for you in the in the USA or and in England of course you know, I think at least from my experience, it, it's similar. I mean, it's definitely increasing where now you see some universities that have programs and there's more certificates and training. It, it reminds me a lot of kind of the maturity of the project management space as well mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s, where because it's becoming so popular and, and breaking into the mainstream, you see a lot of people drawn to the field, whether it's because they love the idea of it, they love that there's a lot of jobs being hired for it, whatever that is, and a mix of reasons. And you lose the fidelity of what the discipline truly is. And it takes a while for that discipline to really reclaim its identity and what it entails. And in the meantime, you have a lot of this, you know, cross purposes of what people think that field or discipline is about. Um, and I think that's where we are in customer experience. It really, you know, hit the mainstream with force over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And so it becomes overrun with everybody wanting to be a part of it and or saying that they're a part of it, even if they're adjacent to it or three degrees removed. Mm. And it takes some time to distill that down to people who are committed to the discipline, the field and the business impact. And I think that's really going to have to flesh out, but I agree. Education is key. I, if I were giving advice to someone, I'd say, you know, develop your business acumen broadly, because that's how you're going to be able to influence stakeholders, develop business cases, justify investments in customer experience. Um, yeah. I agree completely. I agree completely on that one, Jessica. It's, uh, and I'm glad because um, I've been burning that bridge uh, for, for a little time now. So it's always good to have uh, people in the, in the same field. And that business acumen is such an important one, right? Is there's so many people in customer experience that go to, to board meetings or that go to stakeholder wanting to have people understand the language of the customer rather than portraying the customer in the language of the business. And if you think in terms of languages, uh, as we understand it, if I'm trying to speak to you in Portuguese, but you don't understand the language, we're not going to go far. We're not going to be able to communicate. And that's pretty much the same thing when we have people that are so passionate about the customer, but cannot relate it in terms of business value. You need a lot of emphasis and a lot of work to get people to buy into it. And as customer experience professional, we don't always have the bandwidth or the the time to to get there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm. Uh, some outstanding comments there, 
and uh, Jessica, way to kick off our exploding myths with a great one. Um, I, I just will add that that whole concept of business acumen is so important. Um, many of us um, were in lots of different areas of our organizations and not necessarily in customer experience. And so that gives us a good view. And uh, even if you are in customer experience, you're touching so many other functions within an organization, it's so important to learn what those functions are doing. So uh, really, really good myth to explode. And uh, who has another one they'd like to explode uh, on our journey with uh, exploding CX myths? Um, I can go next, uh, Bob. Um, so actually my myth is uh, that it's actually related also to, uh, I gave out a poster on this on LinkedIn a, a while back, and um, I actually put out the question, who owns <laughs> CX, the, the big question. And of course, but what it was really related to, of course, was who, who owns, like who should own the discipline of um, running customer experience, customer experience management within an organization. And I know that I'm I'm probably going to hit some some sore buttons here, but uh, <laughs> I think that it's a myth, really, that it's everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because uh, I truly believe that that it would be totally unfair of a uh, business or a management group to put that responsibility over onto their entire workforce without actually um, giving them the resources they need, both within the, 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 the knowledge of what customer experience is, but also of course, within the resources of the tools and the technology that they actually need to be able to deliver that customer experience that the company or, uh, wants to deliver. I don't know what your thoughts are on this one. I'd, I'd love to hear some feedback. <laughs> it's always a, a, a polarizing one, isn't it, Joanna? Yeah. I think it's, um, it's one of those things. We're all responsible to, to deliver great experiences, but ultimately the buck must stop with someone, right? Yeah. If the experience is horrendous, you need have to have someone, one scapegoat, someone that needs to get fired for it. <laughs> and a, a ship without a captain uh, doesn't go very far. But it, it's one of those things. There's so many ways to position and look at it that everyone could be right in their own ways, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I would agree. I mean, I, I do think that it's everybody's responsibility to be executing on the strategy for customer experience and whatever the company is defined as its guiding principles and those types of things. But I would agree, I would also agree Joanna, that it really, somebody needs to own what is our strategy? How yeah. does it cascade off of corporate strategy? How are we designing experiences? How are we measuring the effectiveness of them so that we can use that insight to improve it? Mm. But it's the strategy that really needs to be owned by somebody or a, a function in the organization and I think a lot of times you're right, it gets confused when everybody plays a part in, in it, in 
delivering it and being accountable for it, but that's not the same thing as who owns it, who's responsible for charting a course that is meaningful to our customers. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, and the reason that I take this up is because even though I know that uh, customer experience as a discipline has been practiced um, for, for quite a few years in uh, the US, it's fairly new in the Scandinavian countries. So it's only actually when I decided that it was, when I took the altruistic <laughs> route that I wanted to work with customer experience, uh, just, just a couple of years back, there was absolutely, there was nobody that was employed as a customer experience manager here in, um, at least in Norway, where, where, where I uh, live. And I feel really new. So it's still, we're still at the point where it's, it's great because now we're starting to see that companies are starting to um, uh, employ or seek for a customer experience management. But the big, big challenge is they don't know what, uh, what a customer experience management role entails. And it's still getting confused with um, customer service or, or the customer journey is a big, big thing that we're talking about. But we maybe haven't quite grasped the, the idea that it needs to be based in a clear uh, strategy, which is founded in the, the business strategy and also, for example, has clear um, customer experience uh, uh, promise that can help guide all of the employees towards this. This is how we want to work. This is our customer promise. This is our North Star, as, as you can call it. And this is the way that we, we want to help everybody be able to, to deliver that experience. So it's a really interesting situation that we're actually in at the moment. And I think that's why it's such an important subject for me to to really get understood. <laughs> so well, Joanna, how to? <laughs> well, Joanna, I think um, this is another great, great one to be great myth to be talking about. And and what dawned on me hearing uh, everyone speak about this was, you know, we often focus on the who. When we ask who owns customer experience in an organization, we oftentimes focus on the who. And I wonder. And Jessica, you kind of prompted me to think about this. Maybe we should focus on what is the ownership we're talking about rather than the who, what do we expect people to own? So Jessica, I'm going to paraphrase, but you know, you talked about strategy. Somebody has to own the strategy. Gustavo, uh, your comment, we used to call it one throat to choke, uh, probably not the most pleasant description, but uh, you have to know the organizations I worked for to understand why that would apply. But, uh, you know, it comes down to maybe we have to talk more about what is it we want them to own in the organizations, because oftentimes the conclusion is, well, they own the customer then. Well, that may not be the case. <laughs> and that is often a contentious statement, too, is, you know, sales will say they own the customer, marketing will say they own it. You know, maybe we need to move away from that. Just, just some thoughts that came to mind hearing this discussion. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think it's also a, um, that also brings us back into like the the silo argument. How can we, you know, I, I truly believe that the the great way, of course, is to create like a governance team, <laughs> mm -hmm. so that all the 
that it's then we're coming back to the question who owns who owns it or who should govern the the team it will there will be one sole responsibility i guess well and i actually read something recently too about uh the whole employee experience which we haven't touched on yet and then should that be owned who does who owns that so now there's a whole another parallel discussion around who owns the employee experience Mm. that's a delicate one isn't it because then whomever owns experience in the organization needs to be well versed into both Mm. and i wouldn't trust a customer experience professional to understand the ramifications of hr regulations but i'd be even more worried about an hr leader uh trying to to drive the the customer agenda so i think it's one of those things right is in, in, uh, in theory, it's a beautiful idea, but theory is a beautiful land that no one has ever seen in real life. <laughs> mm. I may have to write that down, Gustavo. Yeah. I, I just came up with it. I just came up with it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but write it down quick so you don't forget it. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, Joanna, a, a great topic of conversation there and one that has no easy answer, right? It's gonna- No, absolutely. <laughs> and I wish I could give you the formula for it, but I'm still searching for it myself. Yeah, we'll keep searching together. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, just a reminder to our listeners, you're listening to All Things Considered CX with my guests today, uh, Jessica, Joanna, and Gustavo. Uh, co-authors of the Customer Experience 3 book, and also sharing their thoughts and comments about exploding CX myths. So I think that brings us to you, Gustavo, about uh, explore, exploding a myth. What, what's on your mind in this area today? Oh, Bob, I have so many, so many <laughs> myths. <laughs> but we only have one episode, and I don't want to, to, be, to be someone who's perceived as ranty. So I'll keep uh, just to one. And my biggest pet peeve is probably alongside the one that Jessica shared on it's a business strategy is when people say you must exceed customers' expectations. Yeah. And gosh, that annoys me. It's so frustrating because essentially it doesn't make sense, right? It's it's a very nice uh, inspirational, motivational phrase, but from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense. It's never going to be sustainable because yeah. expectation is a thing that's always adjusts itself, right? So if you think uh, a very good example that always comes back, uh, Double Tree by Hilton with their chocolate chip cookie that, that you get when you, when you arrive, or at least you used to a few years uh, ago. It's been a while since I last traveled for, for business. But it used to be a very nice a bit of delight. Say, oh, I'm checking into the hotel and I have a cookie. Brilliant. Well, after three visits, you're expecting the cookie. And if you don't have it, it becomes a, a, a pain point. So the thing is, you cannot exceed expectations continuously because you're then going to find yourself in a cycle of escalating costs and yet probably increasing the, in customer satisfaction, but not to the extent that it pays for the cost escalation. And every time I see someone say, you have to exceed expectations, it just just gives me nightmares. Mm. 
I could not agree with you more. I was just having a conversation last week and telling someone whatever they're doing to wow you or exceed your expectations plus something. And I guarantee you somebody's paying for it somewhere. And I mean, ultimately you're paying for it. And I'd rather know what that was going to be so I could decide whether I wanted to pay for it. Mm. Yeah, the thing is eventually it's subsidized by someone right? It's either subsidized by the customer or by the rest of the organization. And if you take it to the extreme, you'll find yourself with extremely delighted customers that don't have a business to serve them because the business wasn't profitable. Absolutely. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead, Joanna. Yeah, I was just about to say, and the the other side of that as well, of course, is um, like with the over-delighting is uh, we're not actually sure either whether our customers want that because <laughs> sometimes you know s- surprises they um can, it's almost like delight is a surprise and surprise is an, an emotion that can actually either be a positive um, emotion or, or a negative one and and you know if we're designing um wow experiences we may in fact be causing uh, mistrust we may be causing um a feeling of um yeah insecurity uh, generally because that's not what they're actually was expecting so we're actually doing uh, more damage than we was actually even thinking I think the best, I think the, 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 it's getting the basics right, isn't it? That is really the goal, being able to have a really clear, defined uh, customer experience goal or experience expectation and being able to deliver on that. And I think that is like the struggling point for most companies, being able to um, consistently over all the different touch points, being able to deliver the basics uh, yeah, I think that um, that's that. Yeah, that. M- much less exceed them, right, Joanna? So yeah. <laughs> let, let's just let's just do like you said. I, I I mean, I've written about back to basics. You know, get the basics right, um, and customers will appreciate it. <clears throat> it's hmm. one of those things, right? Because you can have. Let's imagine you go to a restaurant, and they put. They, they pull all the stops to really create the most impressive, most amazing experience. Then you go to the toilets and it's as filthy as if you hadn't cleaned it in two weeks. <laughs> How are you going to eat there? Probably not. So you have all that thing of really singing and dancing and then you see that the toilet hasn't been cleaned in two weeks. If I hope, I, I know that that's how I feel, but I hope that most people would just see that and run away and I wouldn't touch any food that they serve me in there. But the thing, right? Exceeding expectation, but we're failing on the basics. Yeah. That yeah. that's excellent. Excellent examples, Gustavo. Thanks for that myth. Well, <laughs> uh, co-authors, we have another author that's joined us. Uh, Gregorio, would you um, take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners, and we'll be able to see what your myth is that you're ready to explode with our listeners. So I'll turn it over to you, uh, Gregorio. Thank you very much, Bob. It's a big pleasure to be here on this show with discussing with you, all the co-authors 
and some are very known because we had discussion shor shortly or some weeks ago. My name is Gregorio Leoni. I am co-author of the book Customer Experience 3. Uh, for the people who uh, don't know me, I am known as the CX goalkeeper. I am an expert in business and digital transformation. I am really passionate about customer experience and I'm always looking for innovative solution which brings value added for customer, but also for the businesses. Uh, private, I have a small son and therefore I came in the second half of this discussion or of this match as the CX goalkeeper to, to, to bring fresh energies into the discussion. <laughs> I love it. So Gregorio, we've been talking about uh, CX strategy and business alignment myths. We've been talking about who owns the customer myths. We've been talking about um, what does it mean to meet customer expectations myths. So we, we've been having a lively discussion. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on myths we should be exploding? I think I would start from, from the foundation. And uh, you are all, or we all are six experts, professional. We are specializing ourselves in, in, this, uh, in, in this science, if I would use the, the words of Ian Golding. And sometimes if I speak with other people, with the CFO or with, uh, with other important roles in a company, they came and, and tell me, uh, Greg, you know, it's what you are saying. It's really interesting, but customer experience is, is an hype. And today is here and tomorrow it's not here. And um, I think this is also a bust that, uh, that we need to, to, to discuss. And I would also really um, be happy to get also your insights. From my point of view, customer experience is only defining the science, the discipline beyond, uh, behind and or trying to improve the relationship to the customer. And in the past, we had customer, we have now customer, and we hope that in future we will have customer. And therefore, it's not an hype, it's something that was here, is here, and will be here. Because if I'm using or quoting Annette Franz, think about the business without customers. There is no business. And, uh, and therefore, this is something I would like to discuss with you. What, what's your view on that? Uh, I think if I can jump on that one, it's um, because I have very strong views, right? And it's, what I mean by that is it's a science, but the problem is that we as, uh, as a profession haven't gone scientific enough. No. And if I look at the element I was talking about exceeding customer expectation, that has been debunked conclusively by very, very high level research. And when I say high level, I mean high quality, not superficial, by very good research about 15 years ago. But we're still fighting on this on this battle of should you or shouldn't you? So I think you're completely right, Gregory. It's, it is a science because it is about dealing at, about uh, with humans and it is scientific in itself. But the way we go about it isn't scientific enough. I think there's too, too little focus on understanding what the what the data is tells us how the human brain works and that, that that's a big challenge that we're facing in my eyes i would agree about us not taking enough of a scientific approach i mean there's absolutely a place for the art of the experience but you're speaking my language when you say we're not um, using science enough and approaching it that way hmm. It feels sometimes like we're, we think, and you started us off this way, 
Jessica, and your comments about being too altruistic. I mean, doesn't it feel at times like we think we should, you know, in the US, we would say mom and apple pie and the flag, right? That, that everything is wonderful and you should just do what we say to do as customer experience professionals, because how could you not want to give a good customer experience? Yet that's the too much of the art side, right? And we need to bring the science side to be credible. Amen. Amen. I think that there's a, a lot of passion, but not enough cynicism is another way to put it, right? We need <laughs> I to be love cynical. that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> if I can elaborate a bit on that, and I fully agree with, with what you are saying. And also from, from the people US-based, for, for you, sorry to say that customer experience, it's something that it's clear that needs to be discussed and it's something that needs to be continued, performed and, uh, and brought forward. But basically if I'm talking about Europe and in specific without thinking about UK, we are starting with customer experience and, and in, uh, in our region, we are really at the beginning and we are really struggling to make understandable or try to explain that customer experience is not something fluffy to, to make epic customer or to have epic customer, but it's something real to increase retention, to uh, improve acquisition, to reduce cost, because if we simplify processes for our customer, then we are also reducing cost in the company and improving the, the, the share of wallets. Therefore, fully agree with, with what you are saying, but in some countries, we are now at the beginning, and therefore, it's still a big issue to make understandable and to bring the topic customer experience on the table of the C-suite. You know, I'm, I'm going to chime in uh, just being in the States, I'm not sure that we're any further ahead than other countries. We've um, maybe been focused on it perhaps a bit longer than some other countries. I think we just have a lot more people who are confident, perhaps a lot overconfident in the need for it, but still can't make a business case for it. Don't understand why it's good for the business case. It's kind of what Bob said, where it's, you should want to do this. I mean, you this is good to treat people well. So do the thing, focus on the experience, but then there's, there's no science. Yeah, I'm thinking as well, what, what, so we want to bring more science in, but what can we, what can we concretely start to, are there any scientific theories we can start bringing in? What one um, theory that I've started working a little bit with is actually attachment theory. Um, having actually earlier stood atta uh, um, studying attachment theory uh, in my teaching, there's all room to, to actually bring that in as a, an understanding to be able to think about, okay, how can we create a safe haven for within our workplaces so that it will be attractive for for customers and and this can be across digital platforms this can be a safe haven within across the employee um, experience so that's just one um, theory I, I think that we could perhaps try to utilize more but what others could really help benefit uh, this discipline Oh, well, I just have to first comment on your attachment theory. Actually, in my first book, I wrote about legacy attachment and that aspect of the theory. And it's so it's so interesting to hear you bring it up because I haven't heard, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else um, talk about that. So 
Oh, I have to read the book. Outside about that <laughs> I do. I think there's a lot there. Um, yeah. It's not so much um, a principle, but I do think it's important to think about industries and businesses because customer experience does not play the same role in, a, in every industry. I mean, if I think about um, in the States, in the, in the United States, uh, it doesn't play the same role in government. It doesn't play the same role in um, electric slash energy and gas companies. Um, and then you see these anomalies like Ikea, who, um, you know, may get a lot of horrible feedback, but they don't prioritize the customer and it's still considered a great company. And I don't just say that. I mean, I could go on forever, but that they just don't need to because they're filling such a de desperate niche in the market. So I think part of it is uh, not painting with broad brushstrokes. You know, you see customer experience, people say you have to focus on retention over acquisition, or then you, someone else says the reverse. And it's like, there's no one right answer. And so you have to narrow down into industry and then even uh, more narrow from there. Mm. And I think you're so right on that, Jessica, is um, to think of all those, um, those industries that are monopolies or duopolies, right? Is let's say I'm a train operator. If I am the only train operator between point A and point B, doesn't really matter how bad I am because either you, you go with me or you take a bus ride that's going to take four times longer. So it's, it's all well and good to say customer experience is important, it is, but the impact and the ROI potential in there massively varies from one organization to, to the other. And that's again, right, is bring that cynicism back in and say, okay, so it's a business strategy. If we can't get an ROI on that, then is that the best place to, to spend our time? Probably not. Yeah, I love your example of the train, which made me think the airline industry is such a great example where the industry as an oligopoly is really struggling with the role of customer experience and the return. So you see uh, airlines like Southwest and Delta really trying to differentiate in that regard. And yet, the headway they're making is, I would say, slow because in many cases they can all kind of subtly agree to erode the experience overall and passengers just have to put up with it because there's only so many options. Jessica, it's not something that it pay off in the long term and perhaps not in the short term and therefore it's extremely difficult to continue to, to continue work, working on that because uh, at the end, uh, the quarter, quarterly results are the most important for, for quite a lot of companies. Amen. That, that's also true. Yeah. Well, Gregorio, you said that you were going to energize the group when you joined, and you sure did. We, uh, we grabbed another great myth and exploded it. So in our final um, minutes together, what I always like to do to conclude my podcast with my guests is to ask for their insight and advice for CX professionals listening. So if there was one piece of advice you could share with our listeners, our CX professionals, uh, what would that piece of advice be? So um, I'll ask anybody who'd like to go first to jump in with that advice. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. 
Um, Thanks, Jessica. My, uh, my number one piece of advice today, it may change tomorrow, um, would be to really be the champion of working across silos or cross-functionally. So that customer experience, that discipline, that team, department, whatever that is, is really the one moving your organization forward in terms of working cross-functionally, cross-departmentally, department, yeah, to work cross-department. Um, and to make that a priority, to build those relationships, to build a more comprehensive vision, a shared strategy. And if customer experience internally in an organization can be that gold star in terms of working across the breadth of an organization, I think it, it can't fail at that point or the odds are just so vastly decreased. Excellent, thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I can jump in next. I think if, if I was going to, to offer some advice, then my advice would be to, to get knowledge as you can from, from different areas that will support the work that we do within the customer experience dis discipline. So for example, we talked of course about business acumen, um, but I'm also thinking like service design is um, incredible a resource to be able to um, assist in actually designing customer experiences, um, emotional intelligence. It, it's, it's, you need to be, I think if you're going to work in this field, then you really need to be a, a seeker of knowledge and you really need to be able to be willing to invest the time that that needs to, to keep updated and keep evolving within this area of work. Yeah. Thank you, Joanna. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks. Uh, Gregorio? Yes. Um, I use one sentence that I am repeating always also to myself. And this is, it's not about B2B or B2C, but it's really about H to H. It's human to human. We are in a human to human environment. And independently in which business we are, uh, human beings are a bit more complex than a transaction. Because we are always thinking about transactions, uh, uh, one process, one additional step, and this and that. But we are much more complicated, and we should think about, about human beings with psychological status, with emotions, and all these important characteristics that will help them to really create a great, uh, great experience to the customers. And going back to, to what uh, Gustavo said, I fully agree that not everybody needs to focus on customer experience, but even if it's a monopoly or a duopoly, it's, it's also important to have a look at the employee experience. Wonderful. And Gustavo, last but certainly not least, your advice for our listeners. Oh, that, that, that's so flattering. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> uh, challenge everything and what i mean by that is we're talking about not being scientific enough sometimes charging everything is just thinking what are you actually doing and the best example and it comes to mind because i ranted about it last week is transactional nps right so asking people whether they're likely to recommend the company based on one interaction as if as humans we had the mental capacity 
to box things up and separate them clearly. Look, if, if I love a brand, even if they did a rubbish service, I still love the brand and you're asking me if I recommend, so I recommend. And a lot of the problems we see in CX, if we just took the opportunity to stop, think back and challenge what we're doing and why we're doing it, would be a lot better off as an industry because things like transactional NPS shouldn't even exist. And if there was a regulator that looked after CX, that should be the first thing that they outlawed. Excellent. Wow. What a podcast. Four myths exploded and four great pieces of advice from my co-authors, Jessica, Gustavo, Joanna, and Gregorio. So my advice is this, if you want to learn more, pick up Customer Experience 3's latest edition, and there's lots of authors in there for you to learn about customer experience. And uh, thank you to my guests today for a fun engagement and discussion. And my last piece of advice is to my listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode of All Things Considered CX, please share it with your network and stay tuned for future episodes concerning the customer experience profession. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.